0: Thanks so much for joining the New Life Call cool and Gather podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us for our vision series, where we will be unpacking our four discipleship priorities of gathering the lost, growing in community, growing as disciples and going on mission. These four priorities are how we understand God has called us to live as his disciples and over the next two weeks we will unpack how we believe God is calling and challenging us to outwork these priorities in 2023. We pray this message is a blessing. So good, how is everyone this morning? Doing well? How good was that video? We have such amazing people that did all the filming and editing, the creative people in our church. We are so blessed as a church. And the great thing is, one of our core values is creative worship. How can we actually use all of our gifts and talents to glorify God? And I love that that's an example of people using their gifts and talents to glorify God in the church. And that's because we are actually in week one or week one of our Vision Sunday's. It's not just one Sunday, we're doing it over two Sundays this year. And what we want to look at is what does it mean for us to consider the words of Jesus in Matthew 28, to go into all the world and make disciples, not as an option, but actually an imperative of carrying out God's mission to display his goodness and his love to the world around us. You know, New Life Church believes passionately in the Great Commission, And it's best encapsulated, I believe, in our mission statement for us as a church. Our mission statement is we exist to see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. Not big churches, not with lots of numbers, but thriving local churches. Because this statement, it's a statement of becoming. It's a statement of spiritual formation. It's actually a statement of discipleship. And at New Life, we believe our mission and our our vision, there. Action through these four discipleship priorities and they answer the question, what does it mean to have a thriving church? We believe that a thriving church gathers the lost. It glues people into community. It's a place where we can grow as true disciples of Jesus and a place where we get sent out. We don't just stay here, we get sent out through the week with the mission of God, with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, these four priorities are how we understand God's called us to live as disciples, but also as a church. And over the next two weeks of Vision Sunday, we're going to be looking and we're going to be unpacking what we believe God is calling us and challenge us to do to outwork these priorities this year. And this week I'll be exploring gather and glow and go. And next week, Pastor David will be exploring glue into community and growing as disciples. You know, our mission statement, it's not just a mission statement for us as a ministry team, but it's for us as the church, as followers of Jesus. And one of the scriptures I'm going to be looking at today is John chapter 20. Now this is like Jesus has just resurrected. We need to understand the context. Jesus has just resurrected from the dead and he come and he appears to his disciples and it says, on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. After this, he, he said this, he showed them his hands and his sides, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. And again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. Before I get into this message, I'd love to pray. Would you please join me? Father God, I thank you so much for, first and foremost, your mercy and your grace upon us as individuals. We thank you, Lord, that you were sent to seek and redeem and save the lost. But I pray that you would help me preach this message with truth and grace and in love, Lord. That in the end they wouldn't look to me, that only look to you, the one who brings life and life in all its fullness, in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, I remember when I first got saved, it was back in around 2011. And at the time, the lead minister, Stu Cameron, he was preaching on evangelism. And he was up and he was preaching about how we Christians are all called to go out with the gospel message, that we go out into our world, into our workplaces, to our family and friends, and we should be preaching the gospel. And to be honest, I was sitting there super offended. Like, who was this guy? Who was this guy telling me to go out and do that? He doesn't know me. He doesn't know what I'm like. Like, I'm super shy. And you guys might not believe that, but I am. I'm like, I'm super shy. I don't stand up in front of people and talk. Like, this is not my happy place. In my room by myself, that's my happy place. I don't mind getting up in front of everyone. I'm thinking, how could he tell me to go out and do that? Does he know where I work? I work at the wharves. You don't talk about that stuff there. People are going to terrorise you if you talk about that stuff. He doesn't know me. God would never make me do that. And now I'm standing here today <laughs> preaching the gospel. There was this thing that I didn't understand. There was something that I didn't see. I was arrogant and proud back then. And you might say, well, you still ask God, probably a little bit. But here's the thing that I didn't see, that God uses ordinary people in ordinary situations to share his love and his grace. And he wants to use every single Christian for his mission in the world. He even wanted to use me. And the truth is, God wants to use you too. You see, I didn't see that in the beginning, and that was something the disciples didn't see in John chapter 4. Now, there's this story about Jesus having interaction with a Samaritan woman at a well and the disciples. But here's the first point. A healthy, thriving church gathers the lost. And this example starts in John chapter 4, where Jesus and the disciples, they're traveling from Judea back to Galilee. And to get back to Galilee, they have to walk through Samaria. And it's about 12 o'clock in the day, it says Jesus is tired, so Jesus just wanted to have a rest, so he sits down near the well to have a rest, and the disciples go off, and they go get food from the town. And as Jesus is sitting there, this, this woman comes out of town to come and draw some water. And so she walks over, she starts drawing the water, and Jesus says, hey, can you give me a drink? And she's like, you, a Jew? Why are you asking me for a drink? Because Jews and Samaritans, they didn't talk. They didn't interact. They didn't like each other. And especially a male Jewish person speaking to a woman, that was even worse. She's like, what? Why, are you even, why are you even talking to me? He said, hey, if you knew who you were talking to, who was asking you for this drink, you would have asked me for a drink and I would have given you living water that you would never thirst, that would spring up to eternal life. And she goes, oh, okay. She starts mocking him. She's like, sure, give me this water. So I don't have to come here every day and draw. And he goes, cool, go and get your husband. And she goes, I don't have a husband. Jesus says, I know. You've had five husbands and the man you're now with, he's not your husband. And this just shocks her. She stands back and looks at Jesus and goes, oh, I'm in the presence of someone special here. He knows who I am. He knows my past. She goes, I perceive that you're a prophet. And then the conversation continues. It talks about worship. Do we worship on this mountain or that mountain? And they can't work it out. She can't understand it. And she goes, you know what? When the Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. He'll give us the truth. And Jesus says, I am he. I am the Messiah. The man standing in front of you, I am the Messiah. And we pick up the story in John chapter 4, verse 27. Then it says that these disciples returned, and they were surprised to find him talking with a woman. But no one asked, what do you want to her or why are you talking with her to Jesus? Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Messiah? They came out of town and made their way towards him. Meanwhile, Jesus' disciple urged him, Rabbi, have something to eat. And he said to them, I have food to eat that, you'd not know, that you know nothing about. Then the disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? Jesus said, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields, for they are ripe for harvest. Even now, the one who reaps draws a wage and harvests a crop for eternal life, so the sower and the reaper may be glad together. We have this story of Jesus' encounter with this woman, where he's trying to gather her to himself. And we have the disciples going off into town, getting food. And I love how honest the disciples are. They're so just random. They're like, have some food. And he's like, no, nah, I've got food you don't know of. And they're like, did someone feed him? Who's around here who gave him food? She's like, oh, guys, you don't understand. I desire to do the will of my father. That's what feeds my soul. He's like, you guys can't see, but there is a harvest out there, right for harvest. You see, Jesus has these interactions with the disciples and he shows them that they're so worried about earthly things things that will perish. But Jesus is worried about heavenly things, things that will last for eternity. And Jesus is pleading with his disciples to see, to see how he sees. You see, the harvest is right in front of them in their everyday, ordinary interactions they have with people. How many people did they have interactions with buying the food, but none of them came out with the disciples? Do you see the potential harvest in the ordinary, everyday people you interact with? You see, Jesus' hunger was to do the will of the Father. He hungered to gather people to the gospel. That's what actually satisfied him. What's the same Jesus and satisfied Jesus was to do the will of the Father. You see, Jesus lives with a different operating system. His base operating system is different to ours. His system is outward focus. He's always looking for opportunity to love. He's always looking at every encounter as an opportunity to gather the lost. He's looking at every situation and thinking, what can I give here? What truth can I give to this person? You see, Jesus sees every encounter as a harvest for the kingdom of God. But humanity, we, and the disciples, we're not running off the same baseline operating system as Jesus. We hunger for earthly things like food and wealth and fame and comfort. We're not satisfied with the will of God like Jesus is. We, we want our own will to be done. Our basic operating system is, is inward focused. and we look at the world from a selfish perspective, we're looking at every situation and thinking, what can I get out of it, not what can I give? You see, we see the harvest for what we want and what we need, and we actually use each other for personal gain. What if we actually changed our base operating system and saw the world and people like Jesus did? You see, Jesus was always focused on gathering people to the truth, gathering people to the gospel, gathering people into the family of God. And Jesus pleads with his disciples, he's like, open your eyes, guys. See the harvest. We go around so busy. Our lives are so busy. We're so focused on ourselves that we actually lose sight of the harvest that's right in front of us. It's just those everyday interactions we have with others. Think about someone that you know That's not a Christian. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a friend, a colleague. Maybe it's someone at your local shops. Would you like them to be in relationship with God? Would you like them to have the gift of eternal life? The question is then, do we see every encounter with them as an opportunity to gather them to the gospel, to gather them to Jesus, maybe gather them into a Christian community like church? You know, what I love about our church here at New Life and is is that you're all on mission. That every time we gather here on a Sunday, anyone who's new who comes in meets you. As a a church pastor, to know that I have such a loving community as you guys is so warming to my heart. The amount of new people that come to me and go, oh, when we came in, it was like the whole church was the welcome team. Because we're all on mission. We all understand what it's like to gather people to the gospel. It's so beautiful. How many of you came to faith by an invitation from someone? Many of us came to faith by an invitation by someone to to come and see. But there's a real issue in the modern church. There's not enough people actually working in the harvest. There's not enough Christians willing to be workers. There's not enough people willing to put their hand to the plough. There's a study that's just been done, and it shows that 90% of Christians have never shared their faith outside their family. That's really sad. Maybe Jesus is saying to us, open your eyes, see the harvest. Curry Ten Boom, she's an amazing lady. She says, A perth- person is either a missionary or a mission field. You're either a missionary on mission for God or you're the mission field. We think missionaries are this God's super servants, right? These special people. But the term missionary is not even in the Bible. It's actually all believers. All believers are called to be on mission. Or to put it in another term, it's from being, becoming, from being the harvest and then becoming the harvester. Or from being gathered to becoming the gatherer. You say, Scott, this is scary. Yeah, it is, but it's also exciting. We get to be part of the mission of God that we've all benefited from. You go from the recipient of the love and the grace of God to the one who gives the hope and the love and the grace of God to others. You say, how? How do I do it? It's just by taking the simple example of Jesus here in John 4. You see, he was just willing to spend some time in simple dialogue with a woman at a well, and through their encounter, Jesus invites her to the gospel, invites her into relationship with himself. It's just an everyday, ordinary, simple encounter and a conversation with a person. So let me ask you, how many ordinary encounters do you have with people each and every week in is the way you live your life? You see, Jesus has an encounter with a woman at a well. Where are your wells? Where do you encounter people throughout the week? Is it your workplace? Is it your local cafe? Is it your neighbours in your street? Is it your local sporting team you're in? Where is your well? And how can we turn those ordinary encounters into, into invitations to meet and encounter the love and the mercy and the grace of Jesus Christ? How can we gather them to a Christian community, gather them to the gospel? The way that we gather people that we encounter at our well is just simple. It's just simple relationships sometimes. It's just getting to know people. Do you know you might be the only Christian someone knows? And so you're the only representation of what God is like to them. And just simply by coming into relationship with them, they get to see the character and nature of God in and through you. Sometimes it's just inviting people into Christian community. That doesn't mean church. That might be just like a whole bunch of you are going to the movies and you're like, I'm going to invite this person. They're not a Christian, but they come into orbit of other Christians that can love them and serve them and show God's nature. It is. It's invitation to church. It's invitation to Alpha. We have an Alpha coming up online. That's a really easy one to get people into because it's not face-to-face. It's online, but there's a way we can actually invite people to meet Jesus. But there is another way that we gather people to the gospel, and that's by being sent out through church planting. We exist to see more people, more like Jesus, by planting and leading thriving local churches. We believe church planting is a way that we can gather people to God, and we see Jesus sending people out in the gospel of Luke. Chapter 10. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two ahead of him, to every town and place where he was about to go, he told them, "The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves." We see here this is the heart of God that we would be sent out. This wasn't the special twelve. Notice that he's sending out the seventy-two. These are just normal, everyday disciples of Jesus. He's like, "Go." Go out to where I'm going. And when we church plant, we're looking, God, where are you at work? Where is your presence going? We want to go where you want to go. God's heart is for every single suburb and town and nation. And so we go where Jesus calls us to go. And he says, pray the Lord for the workers of few. There is a plentiful harvest, but there's not many people willing to go. And he says, I'm actually sending you out. And as a church, the church family, New Life takes this command seriously. That's why we're committed to church planning. That's why we're committed to leadership development, not only of the next generation of pastors and leaders in the church, but also marketplace leaders, people who just go into their workplace with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Therefore, we believe as a church that God is calling us as a family to plant six new churches in the next five years air went out of the room, right? (laughs) What? Six new churches? We plan on planting at least one, maybe two churches this year. And you might be saying, Scott, whoa, pump the brakes. Why are we going so hard? You might be thinking, how in the world are we going to do that? I'm glad you asked. It's Great. I'm here to tell you. First, we believe that if God is calling us to do it, that he will actually make a way. So by faith, and trust in God's provision and direction, we're going to step into this. One of our core values as a church is adventurous faith. And that's what we had to exercise when we came here three years ago, almost to this week. When we planted new life, Kulangata, we stepped out in faith. And especially I stepped out in faith because I'm like, wow, I'm not ready for this. But God, if you're going before me, then I will step out in faith because I trust you. And God has been faithful. And so one of our core values is adventurous faith. And in 1 Thessalonians 5.24, it says, The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. You see, if we're following the will of God, God will be with us. He will provide for us. I mean, Cooley is a great example of God's faithfulness. It's not because we're amazing. It's because we serve an amazing God. That we see so many people coming to know Jesus here. And second, we train up the next generation of pastors and marketplace leaders through practical strategies and plans. We've been doing this for years now. We started up New Life College many years ago. Many of us, including myself and Beck, have gone through New Life College to get degrees and diplomas and all sorts of stuff. So we know that we need to train up the next generation of leaders, but we also have Catalyst, which is a year-intensive discipleship journey people go on to become more like Jesus, not only for maybe ministry but to go out in the marketplace with the gospel. We have a new thing coming called New Life Academy where people will be able to learn, just go and learn different aspects of evangelism. And we're putting in a church planting plan, which includes residencies. And you would have seen that video before I started. That's our five strategic pillars of how we're going to do this. It's personal formation, church multiplication, social transformation, social transformation, Digital innovation and being a lighthouse church, that means we're going to give away whatever programs and stuff we make, we'll give away to the local church, that they can use that. We want to resource them. And now this vision we have for church planning will take a considerable amount of commitment, of time, of money, and people. And here's where the provision of God comes in. It's amazing. We've had this plan for a while that we're moving towards more church planning, like we have done with Brisbane and Coolangatta, and there there is philanthropists. Do you know how much I actually practice that? It's one of those words I just cannot say. I cannot say philanthropist. Did I get it? Boom. They are <laughs> they're a group of Christian businessmen and women that have been blessed financially by God. And they're going. Where can we actually seed fund stuff that we see the kingdom of God moving forward? And they've seen our plans and what we want to do, and they actually grant funded us to church plant, which is just beautiful. This is where the provision of God comes in. They've been blessed, and they want to be a blessing to see the kingdom of God grow. And with this planting fund, we've been able to employ a church planting pastor, and that was Stephen that you saw on the video. Now Stephen's role is to look at opportunities out there, areas where we might be able to go into, to build systems to be able to plant churches really well, to work alongside our church planting residents, people we believe could be church planters in the future, to help them on that journey and then help the process of actually getting church plants kicked off. So that's his role. But then we have another role, which is church planting residents, where we recognise certain people who have the call of God in their life, there could be potential church planners, and we've employed two church planners to be part of that to work towards planning a church one day. You know, that's totally different than when Mike and I, when Mike planted Brisbane and I planted Cooley, these opportunities came to us and we were a ministry team at Rabina. It was like, look, we got an opportunity in Brisbane. And everyone's like, oh, cool. And it's like, who's going? And everyone's like, not me. Not me. You're going. No, you're going, you're going. And then it ended up being, we all thought Mike should go, so he went. <laughs> So Mike went to Brisbane, and then we had the opportunity here at Coolangatta, and that came before us. And again, we went around the ministry team. We're like, who's going? I'm not going. Are you going? No, I'm not going. And they're like, Scott, you're going. I'm like, dang it. Okay, it's my turn, righto. That was our experience. But we actually realized to fulfill the mission of God has to plant churches, that he's actually put on our heart. We need to be diligent in setting up our church plants and plants as well. And here comes the good news. The two church planning residents are Dylan Ball. Now, he's a young man from Brisbane. Uh, He's been in ministry before. He's been associate minister and led churches before. And he's been part of New Life Brisbane. And now he's on this track to maybe planning a church for us in the near future. The second one is our very own David Skembury. So Pastor David, he's the second one who is getting now paid two days a week to go on the journey of possibly church planning in the future. Now, this is scary, right? You might be sitting there going, How is this good news, Scott? We might lose David. And it's like, Yeah, that's right. You know, this is going to be hard. It's not easy. You know, David is like a son to me, and I can't fathom not doing ministry with him. But that's our call, that's our mission to train up the next generation of leaders that we would see the kingdom grow. You know, I remember sitting with Stu Cameron, our lead minister, um, when I was about to plant Cooley, and he goes, what's your vision for Cooley? And I'm like, I I wanted to be a church that plants churches. And he just looked at me. (laughs) But normally it's like, hey, let's get this thing off the ground. And I'm like, from the beginning of planting this church, I've always sensed the call to raise up the next generation of leaders there would be a place where people could come and they could exercise their gifts. We'd train them in preaching and teaching and ministry, but not only the next pastors, people who go out in the world from these four walls into their workplace. That's always been the mission on my heart, that we'd be true disciples of Jesus, not just here, but out in the world. That's been the vision. And church, we shouldn't be scared. We should be excited. Because of all people, we should know the blessing of a new church plant and what it can be. We know the fruit of what church planting can be. We did a, a um, what do you call it? A survey, that's right, <laughs> last year. <laughs> I'm too emotional. I don't even like him really anyway. Um, <laughs> we did a survey last year and the survey showed us that over 70% of people that call New Life Cool and Go to Home never knew about New Life before we planted here. We have on a weekly basis people just walking in off the street. That's why we put the cafe downstairs right out the front. That people would see a vibrant church full of older people, younger people coming together as the body of Christ, that they would say, Christ is there. And we have people walking in every week, coming off the street. We know the power of a church plant. Church plants work. Ed Stetzer says, don't let your church be a cul-de-sac on the Great Commission Highway. This is what we do, right? We get insular and we try and hold on to what we've got instead of sending people out. But our vision as New Life is by 2027, New Life will be a movement of renewal in Australia with and through the Uniting Church of Australia. You know, we actually stand on the shoulders of others. This was Twin Towns Uniting Church before we came and brought renewal to this area. And we're standing here today because of the humility of those people that were willing to come to us and say, we want to see the kingdom grow. Will you come and do something new? Would you renew this area? And that's our heart as a church, that we continue to renew. There is church decline. That's the story in Australia. But we want to fight against that with renewal because we believe that God isn't done yet. That God's mission is still that we would advance the gospel in every area. Here's the thing, but If we don't grab this together, if we don't grab a hold of this command to go out into the harvest As a team, as a church, as the body of believers, we need to lift up our eyes and see that's actually the heart of God and actually join in with that mission together. Here's the thing. First, we need to believe that we're all sent. We need to believe that God wants us to go out and live our lives for the sake of the gospel. So a thriving church, it gathers the loss, but it also goes on mission. And here's the truth. We're all called to go on mission. And that might mean that you're actually sent with David on the next church plan, Or it might mean that you're sent here in new life to exercise your gifts and talents to be sent out into the community around here. We're all sent, whether we're sent on a church plan or we're sent here. We are a sent people. There's no doubt about it. In John 20, the verse I read at the start, when Jesus was resurrected on the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus says, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus appears to his disciples. He says, As the Father has sent me in the world to show them his character, his nature, to die on the cross of them, I'm sending you. He's sending all of us. We're all sent people. We're all followers of Jesus. We're all missionaries. And he's breathed on Him. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. We do it in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You're still not sure? You might be thinking, come on, Scott. He's talking to the disciples the ones he handpicked, that's not me. Okay, that's fair. But let's look at Matthew 28. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Jesus says, go. He says, go and make disciples. That's replicas of you. You are followers of me, disciples of me. Go and make them. Don't just go and make believers saying, go and make disciples who actually follow me. And he says, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. What does everything mean? Not a trick question. <laughs> hey, someone got it. That's awesome. Everything means everything, right? He doesn't say, I oh, teach them to obey some things, but not the hard things. He says, no, teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and that would include the command in John 20. As the Father has sent me... I am sending you. J.D. Greer, he wrote this book. It's called Gaining by Losing. And the whole book is around how we're actually meant to be as a church. We're meant to be sending churches, building up the next generation of leaders and marketplace leaders and sending them out. And he gives this vision of these two different kinds of church. The first one is a cruise liner church, a cruise ship. It's the modern-day church, expression of the modern-day church, where it's just calm and relax. Come and we pick our church on. Does it have nice seats? Does it have air con? Is there a good weekly show from stage? It's a place where we just come and relax. We don't do any work. It's just this consumer product that we consume on a weekly basis. That's not Jesus' idea of the church. Jesus says the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. I don't think a cruise ship would be really good in a battle at war, do you? And we are at war. It's a war against spiritual powers. It's a war for souls. This is not a game. This is people's eternities at stake. He says, you know what? We shouldn't be cruise ships. We should be aircraft carriers. And when you look at an aircraft carrier, it's not there for relaxation. It goes to the fight. And what it does is it equips everyone on there and it sends jets out to go to the fight, to take the fight to the enemy. An aircraft carrier is where you come to be refuelled, re-armoured, trained. They have strategic development there. And the forces, forces, they gather together to go. And the planes are sent out. They're not waiting for the fight to come to them. On an aircraft carrier, they're always on mission. They're always ready to fight. And interesting, everyone on the ship has a job to do. It contributes to the fight. Everyone, no one's on there for a holiday. No one's on there for the aircon. The chef, the cleaner, the refueler, the deckhands, the fighter pilots, the captain, everyone actually has a part to play in the operation of the aircraft carrier. And the church is made up of different people with different gifts and talents. That's how we're meant to be as a church, working together for the mission of God to push it forward. It's not just the captain's job on there, it's everyone's job. And just like an aircraft carrier needs thousands of different positions to operate, so does the church. You see, a thriving church is a a church that we all use our gifts and talents and we send them out into the fight. It's not just for Sunday in these four walls. It's a place where we gather on Sunday to be refueled, to be encouraged, to be equipped, and then sent back out into the fight in the real world throughout the week. J.D. Greer says he was praying for years, asking God, Oh, God, do you want me on mission? Do you want me on mission? He said, I've been waiting on God to tell me if he wanted to use me in his mission. But God had already made that clear. As the Father had sent me, I'm sending you. He says, I'd been asking what God's will was, telling others I was trying to find God's will for my life. He says, it must be the dumbest phrase a Christian can use, finding God's will. You don't have to find God's will, it's not lost. 2 Peter 3.9 says, The Lord is not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And his will is that we get involved in that mission. And so his prayer changed from, God, do you want me a mission, to where and how? The question, you see, isn't whether we're called to pour our lives for the mission. It's only where and how, God, do you want to use me? How many of us are waiting for a voice from heaven, right, to tell us to go on mission? But God has spoken already. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. How would your life change if you knew you were already called? You see God wills that none should perish, that all should repent and believe the gospel, turn and be redeemed by Him." Romans 10:11 says, "For the Scripture says, "Whoever believes on Him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek, for the same Lord is over all is rich to all who call upon him, for whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." This is the gospel: Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved." Did you notice in that interaction Jesus had at the well with that woman? Did you notice that he knew her past? Did you notice that he knew that she she had five husbands and now the man she's with is not even her husband? Jesus knew her broken past, but he still wanted to give her a future. He still wanted to give her hope. He still wanted to pull her into the kingdom to gather her to the gospel. And you might be sitting here today going, oh no, I've done too much. God couldn't possibly want me. This story would say something different. That even though God knows your past, He wants to redeem you and restore you and give you a life. He wants to give you living water that will well up in you to eternal life. This is the reason why Jesus came. Jesus came in the flesh to reveal the character and nature of God, to reveal His love for you and me. He says, look, here's the truth. I'm the Messiah, the man before you. And woman, watch this. I'm going to that cross. I'm going to go there and I'm going to suffer the pain and the ridicule and the hurt and I'm going to take your sin upon me because I love you. I'm going to die the death that you deserve. You don't have to die that death. I'm going to take that sin of yours and I'm going to bury it in the grave and three days later, I'm going to rise in victory over sin and death that when you repent and you believe and you put your trust in me, you receive that eternal life. That's how much I love you. But Romans 10 doesn't finish there. Continues in verse 14, it says, How then shall they call on him whom they have not believed? How shall they believe on him whom they have not heard? How shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things. Paul's like, Guys. How will they hear of the love and the mercy and the grace of God that you have received if we don't go out and tell people, if we're not a sent people, if we don't believe in our heart that this is important and that it is true? What if we were a people sold out for the gospel, sold out to follow Jesus, sold out to obey his commands to be sent? Man, we would see the kingdom of God grow. And that just brings joy to my heart. What if we were like Jesus and we just used everyday, ordinary encounters to gather people to the good news that God loves them? And if they repent, they'll be free from sin and the penalty of sin and receive this forgiveness and eternal life. Church, we don't have to be preachers. We don't have to be preachers, but we can all preach the gospel with how we live our lives and how we love people. Francis of Assisi says, Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. You see, we're all sent. We're all called to be sent, maybe on a church plan. Some of you will be called to stay here at Cooley, to be sent to this community, that the wells around here. But it doesn't matter whether you go with David, because he's your favourite preacher, which is awesome, because he's mine too, or if you're called to stay here and go to the wells around here. Church, all of us are called to look up, raise your eyes, look at the harvest. It's ready for the gathering to the cross of Jesus Christ. You know we can all share the love and the grace of God in just the simple encounters we have in our daily life. You know when I was working at the wars before I went into ministry. While I was working there, there was a couple of hundred guys that I was witnessing to on a daily basis, and I remember thinking, "Oh, I've got to get into ministry to do ministry. I've got to become a pastor." And then I left that and became a pastor, and then recognised I was in ministry. Ministry is not paid ministry. Ministry is what we do on a daily basis where we work. I had a couple of hundred guys I was witnessing to every day with how I treated them, with how I cared for them, with how I spoke to them. Guys, we're all on mission. We all have a ministry. Where is your ministry? Where are your wells? Church, we exist to see more people more like Jesus by planning and leading thriving local churches. So what does it mean to have a thriving church? A church that gathers the lost, gathers people to the gospel of Jesus. Jesus. It's a church that is a multiplying church that we will raise up leaders and disciples to send them out in the world. And it's a church that goes, that each and every one of us is called to be sent. It's not the question of if, but how and where. Hear the words of our Lord Jesus. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Would you join me in prayer? Father God, that just seems so scary in a lot of ways. But Lord, we know that when you call us to go, that you are faithful and you are good. That when we go with the gospel, we go with the power of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I pray you come even in this moment. Holy Spirit, would you call people maybe into ministry right now? Holy Spirit, would you call people into maybe marketplace discipleship? where they believe and know deep down their heart they are sent to the worlds that they already inhabit. Holy Spirit, would you give us wisdom and discernment of how we actually share your love and your mercy and your grace, not only in words, but in deeds, in actions, that reveal your heart. Holy Spirit, empower us. Use us. Lord, we surrender to you. We want to see the kingdom advance We want to see people come into relationship with you. God, we stand here as your servants. Use us. And as we're in this moment of prayer, you might be sitting there and you might be feeling like the woman of the well. That your sin is too great for this God to forgive you and love you. That's not true. God loves you. He knows your past, but he wants to wipe that away. He wants to redeem you and forgive you and invite you into his kingdom. So if that is you and you're sitting here right now and you recognize the love and the mercy and the grace of God, I'm going to ask you just to simply put your hand up. I'd love to pray with you. So you can do that now. God wants a relationship with you. Lord, I thank you so much that you are a redeemer that you sent your son to reveal your character and nature, that we see moments like this at the well where, where you're reaching out, Jesus. Even to those that think that they're too far gone, God, I thank you that you are a merciful God. So that I pray that those that repent and put their faith and trust in you, that God, you would redeem them, restore them, wipe them clean, that you would give them the gift of your Holy Spirit to eternal life. And that would be a river of living water that would flow through them out into the world. God, we thank you so much for your mercy and your grace. And we thank you for your great commission. Go, go and make the disciples. May we inhabit that in our lives. We pray all this in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Would you like to stand as we worship our God together? Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you'd like prayer, you can contact us at church.nu or through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray you have a great week. Be blessed.